Praise the Lord. Today is an installation service for Pastor James. For those of you that do not know, Pastor James left a full-time job making great pay, working at the university that he had just graduated, I believe, a year ago. Your family was up in Minnesota. You leave them behind. You leave your job behind, and you come down here because the Lord leads you, and you had followed. just a moment we're gonna lay hands on pastor James but I've asked him to just introduce himself to the church now he's a preacher so I don't want you to preach just introduce yourself here you go that's trust right there giving me the microphone <clears throat> all right but thank you guys thank you pastor it's a uh, man what an honor to be here uh, it's been a long time coming a lot of conversations a lot of prayer um, but guys God has opened so many doors to make this happen and I am so blessed to be here to share life with you guys. Um, any, any youth, young adults who are here just right now? A couple, yeah, I met with my buddies, a couple of them here and there, awesome. Now, um, y'all better get ready because I see the rain out there, but I know that the rain of heaven is about to fall in this ministry. So many doors are gonna open, so many lives are gonna be changed. And I want you guys to know that there are so many opportunities in Jesus for you guys. And I'm here to make sure that there is no opportunity missed because there's so much potential in this room, in the youth, in my prayers, in my spirit, I have felt and I know that the best is yet to come. So I better get this back over. I love you guys. Pastor Andrew, would you come? Would you just stand up on your feet right now? And I want you just to stretch your hands towards Pastor James. The Lord has granted this church some of the very best. We have a great staff. Pastor Steve, who could not be here today. Pastor Jay, who's doing a phenomenal job in kids ministry. Pastor Andrew, an incredible job leading worship. And now, Pastor James, who you can already tell his passion for this church and for your young people. Church, I believe he said something very prophetic at the very end of his statement, that the best is yet to come. So many great things have taken place. I need to pray. But so many great things have taken place in the past year and a half. And I believe this, we ain't seen nothing yet, baby. Stretch your hands forward. Heavenly Father, God, we lay our hands upon this young man, this young man after you. And Lord, he mentioned something just a moment ago, how many doors you opened. God, in private, we know. <laughs> we know how many doors you opened for him to come down here, literally cross country. God, I believe that you have sent us the very best for our teenagers and for our young adults. Lord, I know the vision that you've already given him. It's a big and it's a bold vision. It's a, it's a vision that can only be accomplished with your help. And so, Father, we ask for the help to come. Lord, you've opened doors for him to come down here. Now, God, I pray that you'd open doors now that he's here for this youth group, for our young adults. God, I pray, giving favor in the schools, giving favor in the universities. Father, I pray that the harvest of teenagers would be brought in under his ministry. God, I pray for souls to be saved under Pastor James. 
and under the banner of Calvary NSB Youth. God, I pray let teenagers come to not only know you, but Father, I pray to be launched out and to do the work of the Lord under his ministry. God, I believe the, the best is yet to come. So we anoint him now, Father. There's a mantle upon him now. God, help him to accomplish your work today. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Somebody in this house, give God some praise. It's going to be good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And actually, I'm going to ask for you to remain standing because we have one more announcement to make. If that one wasn't good enough, we still have another one that's exciting. I'm going to have to ask for Shane. Where's Brother Vernon? Is Brother Vernon in here as well? Brother Shane, Brother Vernon, would you come down? I don't see Brother Vernon. I know he's here. He's alive and well. I'm going to ask for Shane to come. We got to get moving. Shane, would you come to the platform today? For those of you that do not know, Shane Miller serves as the contractor to all of our projects that we have gone on to the property. This is a man of God. Come on, Brother Vernon. Brother Vernon, as he comes, most of you know that he's the project manager. He's literally boots on the ground onto our property. Most of you know that we've been praying. It's been a long time coming. For some of you, it's been years. But there, it's been a decade, over a decade. But there's a light at the end of the tunnel. We heard back from the city on Thursday. And now we have total site approval from all of the commissioners representing New Smyrna Beach. have done this without these two men let me say that one more time I personally could not have done this without the help of these two men but let me say this it's a mantra that we say here at Calvary we don't care who gets credit as long as God gets glory yesterday about 20 of us showed up on the church property at 10 o'clock to pray. And we prayed over that property. We prayed over the parking. Because we believe that in just a couple of months, there's going to be scores and scores and scores of people that drive on that property. And we want them to experience the tangible, authentic presence of Jesus as soon as their front wheels touch place on 794 Old Mission Road. We are not yet giving you a launch date. We still have several things to do on the property, but we're going to be able to get them done now. So with that being said, in the next few weeks, feel free, drop by the property, but don't stop in. 
because there's going to be a lot of stuff that's happening. We have to lay underground, I believe, is it cable, wire, everything, everything underground. Everything's going underground. The septic's taking place, I believe, hopefully this week. Uh, we got to put a sprinkler system inside both of the buildings. Those are just three things that are on the horizon that's going to be taking place, hopefully within the next couple of weeks. Lots of great things happening. Can you just raise your hands to Jesus one more time? Before these two men take their seats, we just want to honor the Lord for what he has done. God, before I preach this word to this church, I just want to say thank you because you've been good. Lord, as Shane mentioned just a moment ago, some of us have been waiting over a decade to get on that property. But I believe that their prayers have not been in vain, that you heard their prayers, you've seen the tears that they have cried long ago. And God, you have sent an answer. Father, I pray from this moment forward that you would grant us favor. Hallelujah. Grant us favor with all the subcontractors that we're going to be dealing with. God, we pray for low prices. <laughs> Hallelujah. Help us to get this done under budget and debt-free, Lord. And God, ultimately, I pray, let the city of New Smyrna Beach, Edgewater, Port Orange, and Oak Hill come to know you, Jesus, through 794 Old Mission Road. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody put your hands together one more time. Praise the Lord. Stand up on your feet. Keep standing. I mean, because we're about to read from the Word of God. Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 through 44. I'm reading today from the New King James Version. The Bible says this, starting at verse 36. But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also with, will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, I wonder how different the days of Noah were compared to today. I would probably argue not too much difference. And did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore. For you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But you know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you, look at your neighbor and say you. Look at somebody around you and say you. Therefore, you also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. I want to preach a message today that I've entitled this, Left. Left. Father, I pray that you would add the blessing of the reading of your word. It's my job, Pastor, to present your gospel. And Lord, I know that you're going to keep your end of the bargain. And Holy Spirit, you're going to come and convict so that no one will be left. In Jesus' name we pray. Those that love the Lord today, say, 
Amen, amen, amen. Look at your neighbor and say, get ready, get ready, get ready. Church, I believe that we are living in the last days. Hear me when I say this, that who's to say that that trumpet is not being polished in heaven right now? That Gabriel is licking his lips, getting ready to blow that trumpet, and that soon and very soon, Jesus is going to split that eastern sky, and we're going to see him coming for us. These are the last days. Soon, I will be with my Savior. What a day that will be when my Jesus, come on, he comes for me. I want to tell you today, I hope it happens now. Lord, let me finish my message, but let it happen today. I wouldn't be surprised if he came back before our church project is even done. Brother Roger actually said this on the prayer on the property yesterday as we prayed. I said, I'm not so sure that Jesus won't come back for his church and we won't be able to finish this project. And he said, you know what? It's all right. We'll finish it in the millennial reign of Christ. Last Sunday, I preached a message entitled Signs. How many appreciated that message? How many enjoyed that word? If you missed it, signs are all around us. Signs in the heaven. Blood moons are occurring. Watch out, September 28th. I'm not saying that Jesus is coming back. I will never put a date with the Son of Man's return. But hear me, I believe with all my heart that something significant will happen in September. We are coming at the end of the dispensation of grace. There's only one more dispensation of the seven to go. That's it. We're on number six, and number seven tribulation is gearing up. For those of you that have served Jesus for a long time, you can almost feel it in your bones that tribulation is yearning to begin. That the tribulation is wanting to begin. And the only thing that is stopping it is the return of Jesus. We are living in the last days. There are signs in the heaven. There are signs in the earth. There are wars and there are rumors of wars. There's famine. There's pestilences. There's also signs in the church. The Bible says this a little earlier in Matthew chapter 24, our text for today. That in the last days, the love of many will wax cold. I want to know this. When did church become an option? When did Jesus become a multiple choice answer? I, I remember growing up that if I wanted to get out of church and I said, hey, I I'm sick, my father would say, well, throw up and prove it. <laughs> and, and then if I threw up, he would say, now, don't you feel better? Get your clothes on. We're going to church. The love of many will wax cold in the last days. But I'm here to tell you also, for those who are right with Jesus, for those who have Jesus living in your heart, I'm talking about the blood-bought, spirit-filled church, for those today that are living for him because he's living inside of you. These are not days to panic, but these are days to pursue. If Jesus comes back today, I want to tell you, I want to be found pursuing him. 
I want to be found in the house of God. If rain can keep me out of church, who's to say that rain can't keep you out of heaven? I want to be found pursuing Jesus. And here's the deal. I want to be found working for him. I want to be found with my hands dirty and dirt underneath my fingernails, trying to reach just one more for the cause of Jesus Christ. Is there not a cause for the church to work for anymore? We are living in a day that the only times the church will ever show up and proclaim the gospel of Jesus is if we have a sign-up sheet and a church event. I'm stepping on toes because you have the toes right in front of me. I want you to know that you can work for Jesus no matter what the church has going on. That no matter where you are at, you can give someone a little bit of hope. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 24, that in those days two men will be in a field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. It's going to be this. There will be two women at Walmart. One is checking out and the other is behind her. And then all of a sudden, one will be taken away. Two men walking up a hill. It's going to be this, two men walking up the bleachers to an Alabama game, winning another national championship. Hallelujah. One will be taken away, and the rest will be left. We are living in a day to where that moment is going to happen. But I'm also here to tell you, no matter where you're at, on a hill, in a field, at Walmart or in the bleachers, I'm going to proclaim the name of Jesus and I'm going to be found working. Come on, somebody give Jesus a shout of praise if that's you. Let me remind you that these are not days to panic. These are not days to be fearful and these are not days to be worried. And here's why. Because I don't plan on being here when it gets bad. Now, here at Calvary, we believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, meaning, meaning that the church will be taken away by Jesus before the tribulation begins. Now, if you've been taught another doctrine, if you've been taught mid-tribulation or post-tribulation, stay here if you want to. I don't want to stay. The Bible says this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 6, And now you know what is restraining, say the word restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, and only he who now restrains, say restrains, only he who now what? Will do so until he is taken out of the way. I want you to notice right there that the Bible says that the restrainer now restrains. The only thing holding back the devil's plan in the tribulation is the restrainer. And the restrainer is the Holy Ghost working inside of the church. People have this misconception that I'll just get saved during the tribulation. Eh, wrong answer by a vow. Because if you can't live for Jesus now while the Holy Ghost is moving in his church, what will you do when Christianity is outlawed? 
What are you going to do when the only way that you're able to buy a little bit of food is to receive a mark of the beast from the Antichrist? I want to have a little bit of fun now. I don't want to go to church. I'm tired. I stayed up at night of joy last night. I don't want to go to church, Pastor. I stayed up watching college football. I don't want to go to church. The Jacksonville Jaguars are playing today. I don't want to go to church. The surf is too good. I don't want to go to church because it's raining outside. If you can't live for Jesus right now while the Holy Ghost is moving at Calvary, when we have staff pastors coming on, when we have come on, when we have favor from the city to get onto the church property, what on earth makes you think that you're going to be able to live for Jesus when the going gets a little bit tough? He who is holding and restraining Satan from presenting his Antichrist to the world is simply this, the church. It's you. And it's me, and it's the Holy Ghost inside of us. It's a sold-out, blood-bought, spirit-filled, on-fire-for-Jesus type church. But when the Lord Jesus appears in the clouds and he raptures his people, it's on like Donkey Kong. I'm out of here. And when we're out of here, all hell, literally, I'm not cursing, all hell will be brought upon the earth. Let me give you some facts real quick about that day of the Lord, the rapture. Number one, it'll be sudden. The Bible says, in the twinkling of an eye. Now, an eye can blink in one-fiftieth of a second. Try blinking. One-fiftieth of a second. In the computer world, there is something called a nanosecond. It's actually one one hundredth of a second. And if man can accomplish a nanosecond, if man can accomplish one one hundredth of a second, just imagine how much faster Jesus can accomplish it. It's going to be sudden. It will be in the twinkling of an eye. Number two, it will be solemn. Solemn because of those who are left behind. After the rapture, many will look for their loved ones, and they will be gone. Mother will be separated from their child, husband from their wife. Many will expect to go. Many will expect to go, but will not because of their sin. Because the Bible says this in Matthew chapter 7, that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. I want you to notice right there, it's one thing to proclaim Jesus, it's another thing to live for him. I just want to live for him. We must be rapture ready. We have to live a life for him, church, because he's coming back for you. And I want to be ready. The third thing, very quickly, it's going to be sudden, it's going to be solemn, but it's going to be satisfying. There will be a glad reunion time. There will be eternal blessings and only good things there. A new body, no disease, death, sorrow, aging, and pain or problems. It will be satisfying for us. In fact, it's going to be a home going. And not only will it be a home going, but it's also going to be a homecoming. Someone give the Lord some praise if you're looking forward to that day. Someone just take 10 seconds right now and say, even so, Lord Jesus, come. Even so, Jesus, come quickly for your church.
It will be sudden. It will be solemn. But church, come on. It's going to be satisfying. But while we are rejoicing in heaven, the earth will be plunged into utter chaos. The Bible teaches us that seven seals will be opened with the first four bringing the four horsemen. Now, if you remember nothing else from this teaching, I'm going to do a little bit of what I did last week. I'm not preaching. I'm not teaching. I'm preaching. Remember this. Seven seals, seven trumpets, seven vials. Each one leading into something even more horrific. The first one, as soon as Jesus comes back for his church, within a matter of days or weeks, the Bible says that the Antichrist will appear to the earth. That is the first seal, Revelation chapter 6, verse 1. Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard from one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see. In John's vision, he has symbolized riding a white horse. Since I believe that the signs point to the return of Jesus, and Satan, hear me, has no idea when Jesus comes back for his church. Hear me, Jesus doesn't even have an idea of when he is coming back to the church. When do, do you really think that Satan has an idea of when Jesus is going to rapture his people? So with that being said, I believe that for every generation, he has to have an antichrist ready. And I believe this, that the Antichrist who will usher in the tribulation is alive right now. I don't know who he is, but if you miss the rapture, hear me. If you're listening to this to the podcast on the radio, however you're listening to this, you need to recognize him and do not follow him. He has to have someone ready, Satan does, to indwell and empower to become the Antichrist. He is alive right now. The world will be in chaos after the rapture. And the wicked, manipulative, and the diabolical, if you will, Satan, his inspired ruler will arise. He will be intellectual. He will be administrative. He will be oratorical. He will be religious. Anybody can be religious. They just like the form of godliness. They'll be polite. He'll be military. He'll be a genius. He'll be commercial. Who will eventually rule and then, hear me, he will be demanded to be worshipped as a god. He will plunge the world into seven years of literal hell. And if you don't make it in the rapture, let me say it one more time. If you're listening to this and Jesus has already come back for the church, if you're listening to this uh, through iTunes, a podcast, a CD, or on the radio, recognize him, but do not follow him. After the Antichrist will rise and appear, then there will be a second seal broken. That will usher in literally World War III. The Bible says this in Revelation chapter 6, 3 and 4. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come and see. Another horse, fiery red, went out, and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, and that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. In John's vision this time, the rider is symbolized by riding 
a red horse. The Antichrist's efforts to lead will plunge the world into war. The most deadliest of all wars that the humanity that's already upon this earth will have ever seen. These wars will cause blood to run in the streets. These battles will most likely involve a nuclear exchange. It will be a war that no man has ever seen before. But the worst is yet to come. The third seal will bring about famine. This horseman will be riding a black horse. Following war, there will be an unparalleled famine to sweep the earth. People will murder one another for just a morsel of bread. There will be worldwide starvation and hunger. But because of war, food will be scarce. That will usher in the fourth seal. The fourth seal is where some of the world's population will perish from warfare, famine, and disease. Revelation chapter 6, it teaches us that the horse will be pale and the rider's name will be literally death. They are given authority to kill those who are left, but the worst is still to come. The fifth seal, the fifth seal will be the cry of the martyrs. There will be two sets of martyrs mentioned here in Revelation chapter 6. There will be early martyrs, and there will be end-time martyrs. These early martyrs who died before the resurrection. These are the martyrs who died before the rapture took place. Literally millions upon them. Say, Pastor, there's no martyring going on right now. Watch the news. See what ISIS is doing, burning and beheading Christians even now. The blood of these early martyrs who died for the word of God, they are in heaven right now, and they have been given a white robe just to reveal their commitment to the cause. But hear me when I say this. They will be avenged. They have yet to be avenged in Revelation 6. Those who were murdered, those who were shot, those who were tortured, those who were hung, and those who were killed. But read the text. They will not be avenged yet. Revelation 6, 11, Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. These seals point to the persecution of those who would confess Christ over the Antichrist. And because they would profess Christ in the days of the tribulation, they would be slain because of it. This would open up the sixth seal. The sixth seal would bring about natural disasters upon the face of the earth. The Bible says this, that the sun will turn black Meteors and falling stars will be literally crashing upon the earth. The moon will glow like blood. Sound familiar? Everyone, kings and generals, will hide in caves looking to escape, but escape will not find them. They will beg the mountains and rocks to just fall down upon them to end their misery. And this will open up the seventh seal. The seventh seal, the Bible teaches us, that at the start of the seventh seal in Revelation chapter 8, heaven will be silent for 30 minutes. It's now the halfway point 
and the tribulation. At three and a half years, the Antichrist, who has plunged the earth to utter chaos, plunged the earth into famine and war, will sit upon the temple, and he will proclaim himself as God, and he will be demanded to be worshipped. At this moment, heaven will be silent for 30 minutes because all of heaven is about to catch a glimpse of what's to come because these next judgments, these seven trumpets, will be so horrific and terrible that even heaven will be speechless. The seventh seal will start the seven trumpets. The first trumpet, a trumpet will blast, and the Bible says that hell and fire with blood will crash upon the earth. Revelation chapter 8, verse 7, the first angel sounded, and hell and fire followed mingled with blood, and they were thrown to the earth. And a third of the trees were burned up, and all the grass was burned up with it. The Bible says that one-third of the earth's vegetation will be destroyed. Everywhere that you look, if you are still alive at this point in the tribulation, you step out of your home or your cave, you look around, and literally hail mixed with blood will be pounding the earth. This will give way to the second trumpet. The Bible says that a second trumpet will blast. Revelation chapter 8, verses 8 and 9. Then the second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed along with it. I want you to catch right there in Revelation chapter 8 that the Bible says that something like a mountain. Is it a meteor? Is it a comet? Is it an asteroid? We don't know. But the Bible says that it's something as big as a mountain will be crashing upon the earth. One-third of the sea will be destroyed. One-third of sea life will die. One-third of all the vessels of the ocean will perish. And this will now give way to the third trumpet. A trumpet will blast. And the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 8 that yet another asteroid will come and hit the earth just as the earth is trying to recover from the last one. And the Bible says this, that if the last one wasn't bad enough, that now one-third of all of the rivers will be poisoned. They give this name of the asteroid the name Wormwood. Wormwood is a strong-smelling plant current day that releases toxic oil. The Bible tells us that because that the rivers, one-third of them will be poisoned, many people will die. Wormwood will give way to the fourth trumpet. A trumpet will blast, and one-third of the heavens will be darkened because the world is literally on fire, and smoke and dust and debris will fill the earth because of the impact of the asteroids. Oh, yes, it's bad. It literally is hell on earth. But listen, Revelation chapter 8, 13, And I looked, and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the remaining blast of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. Can you imagine? What you've seen is bad. But church, as I'm preaching, the Bible tells us that we ain't seen nothing yet. 
This will now give way to the fifth trumpet where the Bible tells us in Revelation that poisonous locusts will attack people. The trumpet will blast and wicked men will be bitten by these poisonous locusts. They come out of a bottomless pit that the earth was opened because of the meteors that crashed upon it. They were given the authority to torment man, the Bible tells us, for up to five months. And men will seek death, but they will not find it. Can you imagine a man screaming and shouting in pain because of locusts that were poisoned, biting their flesh, and they were in such excruciating pain that they were crying out, give me death, but the Bible tells us that death will not come to them. These men will be in so much pain. They want to die, but they cannot. The fifth trumpet now will give way to the sixth trumpet. A trumpet will blast. Revelation chapter 9 verse 16 reports that a 200 million man army kills one-third of all of mankind. We believe today that that is modern-day China, that even now China has over a 200 million man army. China will attack the remaining, the remaining of all the people. The Bible tells us that one-third of all mankind will die. Some scholars and commentators that believe 1.5 to 2 billion people will die when China attacks. The sixth trumpet now will give way to the seventh trumpet. And then the seventh trumpet, you would think that a little bit of relief would come because the remaining nations will all proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They say Jesus is King, but it is not over. There is one more woe yet to come. We have already seen the seven seals. We have already seen the seven trumpets. And now the world will see the very worst, the seven biles. The first bile, malignant sores on those who took the mark of the beast and then also worshipped the beast. Revelation 16, 2. So the first went and poured out his bile upon the earth. And a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. All those with the mark will suffer excruciating pain, oozing boils, and malignant sores. This will give way now to the second bile where the ocean will turn to blood, and now everything in the ocean will die. Revelation 16.3, Then the second angel poured out his bile upon the sea, and it became blood as of a dead man, and every living creature in the sea died. Can you imagine? There is no more sea life for the earth. The third bile, rivers and springs now will turn to blood. Revelation 16.4, Then the third angel poured out his bile on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. By now, this old world is breathing its last few gasps. The fourth bile, the heat of the sun intensifies, and everyone underneath the sun will be scorched. Revelation chapter 16, verse 8, Then the fourth angel poured out his bile on the sun, and the power was given him to scorch men with fire. Because of nuclear wars and natural disasters, I believe that the ozone layer will be greatly diminished and people will find no relief from the scorching sun. The fifth bile, the earth is now plunged into total darkness 
and everyone is in anguish from their sores and in their pain. Revelation 16, verse 10 and 11. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowel on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongue because of the pain. They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and yet they did not repent of their deeds. Can you imagine the type of pain that they are in? So much pain that to have a little bit of relief, they are gnawing at the tongues inside of their mouth. And still, after all this, they did not repent. The sixth bow, the Euphrates River dries up. In Revelation 16, 12, then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. The Euphrates River dries up, a, a geological event that allows the armies of the east to now march towards in Israel to get ready for one final battle known as Armageddon in the valley of Megiddo. The seventh bile, the world experiences its greatest earthquake. Cities will become just heaps of rubble. Islands will disappear. Mountains will be leveled. The earth is hit with its most severe hailstorms ever. Hailstones weighing 75 pounds will strike the earth and the earth's inhabitants. And after now, the seventh vial, we will now see something known as Armageddon. Armageddon, where literally all of the armies left upon the earth will try and attack the second coming of Jesus. All of the armies will gather with their tanks, their guns, and their nuclear weapons. But there ain't no nuclear weapon that can touch the splendor, the majesty, and the glory of the King of Kings. There's no bullet that can penetrate my Christ. There is no earthly weapon that can harm the king of kings. Oh, somebody. There is no tank that can touch him. And the Bible says that everyone will behold him on that day. And I'm here to tell you, if you read the end of the book, it may look bad now, but Jesus Christ is victorious. All this while, we've been in heaven partying up at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And as soon as that supper is ended, Jesus is going to call the billions of people with him in heaven and says, come here, guys, watch this. And the Bible says that the clouds will part and the first time that he came, he came for somebody. He came for you, and he came for me. But the second time that he comes, he comes with somebody. I'm going to be there. I'm going to have a front seat. I'm going to have a ticket to watch the end of the earth where every name that has ever uttered the name of Jesus will bow because they don't. Jesus cannot be defeated. Read the end of the book. He will win, 
and the church will be victorious. Oh, somebody. Hallelujah. The Bible goes on after Armageddon. And after Jesus defeats the enemies remaining on the earth, he approaches the Mount of Olives. And because my Jesus is so powerful, because my Jesus is so mighty, the Bible teaches us that the Mount of Olives will literally crack in two. And as the Mount of Olives cracks in two, and literally this entire mountain splits, that the King of Clean Kings, the Lord of Lords, will come marching through that mountain. He will leave that mountain and he will make the short walk into Jerusalem. The same temple 2,000 years ago that he was tried in, that he received a death sentence unfairly, will be the same temple that he walks into. He sits down and he establishes his reign for a thousand years upon the earth. Ha. I can't wait to see that day. Because hear me, church, these are not days to panic. I'm not going to be here during all this. I'm looking forward to the end. I can't wait to see my Jesus walk up to the temple. I wonder what would be going through his mind. Where just 2,000 years earlier, he was flogged. He was beaten. His beard was ripped out, and there was a crown of thorns placed upon his brow. And I wonder, as he approaches that temple, after the Mount of Olives splits in two, that he will remember what happened to him. That every step he took was not taken in vain, but it will be taken for that day. Because you can't put to death the king. You can't put to death Jesus. And he's going to replace that crown of thorns with a crown that only a king could wear. I can't wait for that to, ha! Church, this is the way I want to end. The Bible says this in Revelation chapter 22, and this is why I'm happy today. Because I don't want to trade Revelation 22 for what's going to take place during the seven years of tribulation. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, and there will be no more curse. But the throne of God 
and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. There will be no need for a lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord gives them light. And they shall reign forever and ever. Then he said to me, these words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Behold, I am coming quickly, says Jesus. Blessed is he, he keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Church, every mountain that I face in this life, every trial that I go through right now, every appointment to where I receive bad news, Every bill, I have no idea how I am going to pay. Oh, somebody. I wish somebody would just be real with me up in this sanctuary right now. Every bad report, every time you feel like you haven't had an answer come from Jesus, it's going to be worth it. Because the Bible says... Then in those days there will be a river of life, a, a river so clear it will be as crystal. And there will be no more night, there will be no more pain, there will be no more sorrow. And I'm here to tell you today that no matter what you're going through, That no matter what you're going through, it's going to be worth it because my Bible says that... Uh, we won't even need a flashlight in those days. We won't need a sun in those days. We will not need a lamp in those days because the light of the glory and the splendor of the King of Kings will light up all of the city in those days. And I'm here to tell you right now, it may look like it's dark. It may look like it's bleak. It may look like our country is headed to hell. But I'm here to tell you that the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ can still penetrate darkness. I'm here to tell you that the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ can still penetrate everything that you're going through, that there's no weapon that's formed against you that's going to prosper because the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ will light your way home. Somebody stand up on your feet right now and give God some praise, give God some glory. I'm not going to trade the tribulation for Revelation 22. I'm going to stay faithful. I'm going to stay true until that day and oh what a day that will be when my Jesus comes for me somebody put your hands together if you're looking forward to that day hey
don't know about you. you I'm homesick this ain't my home I'm just a passerby the Bible declares that I'm just a pioneer I'm just passing through I'm homesick I want to go home but until I do, I will declare his goodness. I will declare his faithfulness. I will declare his mercy. I will declare his grace. I will declare his power. I will declare his love. I will declare his royalty. I will declare his majesty. I just want to talk about the goodness of my Father. Until that day comes, I want to be a living, walking example and a testimony of just how good my God truly is. You say, Pastor, you got it going on. You got a great family that loves Jesus. You ain't got no needs. Huh. Pastor, you grew up in a pastor's household. You've known Jesus all your life. Say, so, Pastor, why are, why are you so passionate about Jesus? Because there was a time that I walked away from him. You don't know that about me, do you? And I'm not going to brag right now on my sin. But there was a time that I didn't want to have any part of Jesus. I grew up in the church, and I didn't like some of the people in the church. Come on. <laughs> there were some people at that time when I was young that were coming against my father, coming against the ministry. They were Auburn fans. That's why I chose Alabama, just to spite them. And I walked away from the Lord because I thought at that time, at a very young age, I thought that all Christians were like that. And I didn't want to have any part of it. And then one day, I had an encounter with love that I've never felt before in my life. I had awakening with the one true God. Say, Pastor, why are you so passionate about Jesus? Because he forgave me of my sins. I'm so in love with Jesus because there's no money on earth that can buy me what I got that day. My God has been faithful and true. He has seen me through the bad times, through the valleys, when me and my family had no money. We were working at a church. The church had quadrupled when we were the youth pastors there. We weren't making no money. 
we did we just decided I don't know what we're gonna do there was nothing there was no food in the pantry and then what Then all of a sudden, there was a traveling evangelist that came up and met us and said, I don't know you, but the Lord told me to go buy you some groceries. And he came back to the church with a trunk full of groceries. I'm just talking about how good my God has been, that he has seen me through the valleys. He has seen me through five surgeries just on my left hand. I'm just talking about how good my God has been. My God has sent me to the greatest city, to the greatest people, and I'm expecting a great move of God. Say, Pastor, why are you so on fire for the Lord? Because those who have been forgiven much will love much. And I wonder if there's anybody in this sanctuary right now that says, Pastor, I just want to rejoice with you for a moment. I want to be a little bit crazy with you for just a moment because I've been forgiven much. I've been forgiven much. And let me tell you something. People that are saved and people that remember how far my God has brought you, those are people that are noisy. Those are people that are energetic. Those are the real true worshipers. And I just want to know today, are there any fired up people that says, Pastor, I remember how far my God has brought me because my Lord has forgiven. Somebody lift up a shout of praise in this sanctuary. And I wonder if there's anybody right now in the house of God that you feel absolutely nothing. Can we just be real with one another for a moment? We're the family of God, aren't we? You just say, Pastor, I'm just looking around. Everybody's fired up. They're shouting. They're clapping. They're sweating. <laughs> and I don't feel anything right now. But I want a touch of God. My wood's been a little bit wet lately. It don't matter. Fire from God can engulf wet wood any day. Ask Elijah in 1 Kings 18. Say, Pastor, I've lost a little bit of passion. Pastor, I've sinned. There's sin in my life right now. I'm not right with God. I know right now that if Matthew 24 came to pass, I'd be those that were left behind. Pastor, what do I do? You need to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. And accept him today to be your Lord and Savior. And I wonder today with every head bowed, every eye closed in the house, no one looking around. See, Pastor, that's me. I'm not right with God today. Before I leave this sanctuary, I want to know that I 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 know. Yes. That Jesus lives inside of me. And I'm going to heaven. If that's you with no one looking around, would you just raise your hand all over the sanctuary? Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus, Jesus. There's sin in my life, Pastor. I need to get right with the Son of God. Thank you, thank you, I see you. Thank you. 
Some in the back. Praise the Lord. I see you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to wait on you for just one moment. A few more seconds. Pastor, I haven't raised my hand yet, but before I leave this sanctuary, I want to know. I want to be assured. I want to have confidence that Jesus has forgiven me of my sins. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to ask for everybody in this sanctuary to repeat this after me. I'm going to ask for our staff, James, Andrew, our leaders, everybody. If you're right with God today or not, I want you to pray this out. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross for me so that I might have life today. Forgive me of my sins, of anything in my life that separates me from you. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name. Now, we do something every time that we pray that prayer. But I think a lot of times we get used to that prayer. Church, whenever somebody prays that and they mean it, the Bible says that even the angels rejoice. Hold on. I want everybody there that's sitting down, I want you to stand up. Because one of our brothers uh, and one of our sisters, they just came home. Put your hands together right now. We rejoice, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for still saving people, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that there's still people in New Smyrna Beach, Florida, that want to be right with you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you for salvation, Jesus. Thank you for rededication, Lord. Thank you for grace. 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 Glorious grace. It's amazing grace. How sweet the sound. And it saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. I wonder if there's anybody that will rejoice on this one, but now I am found. I was blind, but now I see. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. My second call is this. I'm going to flip my phone over. We're on God's time. The Bible says this, when Jesus taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven, read Matthew 5, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Here it is. On earth, hold on, hold on. I know you're excited, but I want to stop right there. Send me all way ahead of me. On earth, as it is in heaven. Now, I just read to you a few verses in Revelation 22. There's going to be no more night. There's going to be no more sorrow. 
There's going to be no more pain. Hallelujah. And I believe that we can experience what's going on in heaven here in this little sanctuary right now. And I wonder, I'm not going to bring you down, but I wonder if there's anybody in this sanctuary that says, Pastor, I need a little bit of heaven in my life right now. I need a little bit of heaven in my family. I need a little bit of heaven in my health. Hey, I need a little bit of heaven in my finances. I've been faithful. I need a little bit of heaven to come into my situation. I need a little heaven in the midst of my circumstances. I need a little bit of heaven. If that's you, I'm not going to bring it down. If you say, Pastor, that's me, I need a little bit of heaven right now in my life. Raise your hand. Raise your hand all over the sanctuary, all over the sanctuary. Wow. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And here's how we're going to end right now. The Bible says this in Acts chapter 3. I preached on this just a couple of weeks ago. How many remember that? Expectations versus reality. The reality is, is that Jesus still heals people. But I want you to notice the answer wasn't in Peter and in John. The answer was inside of Peter and John. Because who is inside of me? Jesus. Eric Danner is not the answer. I'm not going to lay hands on you today. Because if you're right with Jesus, the Bible says in Matthew 10, that you have the power to do three things. To heal the sick, to cleanse the leper, come on, and to cast out demons. There's power in touch. In Acts chapter 3, Peter reaches down, and the Bible says that as soon as he grabbed the lame man's hand, that his feet and his ankles we're healed. There's power and touch for those that have Jesus inside of you. Everybody in this sanctuary said, Pastor, I need a little bit of heaven in my life. I want you to grab the hand of a neighbor. There's power and touch. Grab the hand of a neighbor. And we're about to pray one for another as it is in heaven. Let it be from the power of touch and the one who is inside of me, let heaven be in my neighbor's life right now. Let heaven come for the person who's on the left of me and who is on the right of me. God, whatever they need, Lord, let it be met today. Hey! God, we pray. Come on, somebody. Intercede right now. Put yourself in their situation. Step into what they are walking through. Father, pray for this church we need some heaven back into our services we need some heaven back into our situations father we need a little bit of what's going on where you're at to happen where we are because your word teaches us where you're at 
There's no more pain. So, Father, I pray that you would bring healing right now to somebody's body. Do it right now in the name of Jesus. Receive the healing. You are Jehovah Rapha. You are my healer. You're the one who healeth me. You're the one who completes my body and makes me whole. You repair my need. Heal somebody's body right now, God. There's no more sorrow. Father, I rebuke worry. Hey, I rebuke doubt. I rebuke restlessness. Father, I declare that somebody in this house is receiving a brand new mind. Hey, I declare that somebody right now is receiving a brand new outlook on life. That there's no more negative thoughts. But the Lord is going to start to put some positives back into your spirit. There's no more sorrow. No more pain. There's no more night. Father, give somebody a little bit of joy in their walk with you right now. That no matter the test, the trial that I'm facing, no matter the mountain that's staring right back at me, as long as I've got you, and as long as I've got faith in you, I can say to that mountain, be moved. And that mountain has got to go in the name of Jesus. Let heaven be on earth right now. Let heaven come into what I'm dealing with. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody raise your hands all over the sanctuary right now. I don't want you to clap. I want you to raise your hands. And I want you to begin to declare the goodness, the splendor, the majesty, the faithfulness, the power of my God all over the sanctuary. Lift your voices right now. Come on, lift your voices right now. Let your prayer replace the keyboard. Let your worship replace a guitar. Come on, somebody. You've been good. You've been too good. You've been faithful. You've been too faithful. Ha. Come on, can you not pray 20 seconds? Someone lift up your voice in this sanctuary. Come on, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. I wonder how many hungry people for the Lord are in this sanctuary right now. I'm thirsty for more of you, God, before I leave this sanctuary, before I step foot back in the world. I got to be filled up.
Sing this out. You're Alpha, you're Omega. You are Come on, we're about to leave. Praise Him one last time. We worship you. beginning uh, you're the end we worship you Somebody give God 
a shout of praise like you've never shouted before in this house. We give you all the glory. We love you. Are you are worthy love you. of our glory. You are worthy of all honor. We Take rise, it more. We more. give it to you. We work. We rise and give you glory. God. Yes, Lord Jesus. Come on, I want to end, but I believe the Lord is not done with us yet. I believe that there's a heavenly pause. The Lord has put a pause button in this service right now. Come on, somebody press in this house right now. Pastor, what are we doing right now? Where, where are we at in this service? Those who wait on the Lord. Those who wait on the Lord. Those who wait on the Lord. If you got to go, go, but I'm here to wait on the Lord for just a few moments. If you got to leave, I'm serious. Consider yourself dismissed. I love you. Be here next week. But I believe that there are some hungry, thirsty people in this sanctuary that says, I got to wait on the Lord for just a moment. I need a little bit of renewal in my walk right now. I need a little pep in my spiritual step. Hey. Come on, how many hungry, thirsty people do we have left in this sanctuary? At 2.05 right now, there's no official dismissal. I'm serious. Here's the official dismissal. I love you. If you got to go, go. But I'm going to be here for a few more moments, and I'm just going to wait on the Lord and see what's going to happen.
This is what I feel like the Lord is doing right now in this sanctuary. I believe that the Lord is preparing this church to be an all-generational church. I believe that from young to old are going to have a home in the future here at Calvary in New Smyrna Beach, Florida. How many believe that? This is what I want to do right now. I want for anybody that's under the age of 30 years old, I want you to get out of your pew and I want you to come forward down to these altars right now. If you're under the age of 30, I want you to come. Bring your children with you if you got to. I want you to come very quickly. Pastor James, join me on the platform. Come on, just begin to line up, fill the altars. We got room, we'll make room. Come on down. We're not going to bite you, I promise. There's no epidemic of disease up on this platform. Come on down. Raise your hands in the sanctuary right now. Because hear me, you're not the future, you're the now. You're not the future, you're the now of this church. And I believe that God is going to use you, every single one of you. I believe God's going to use you at Calvary New Smyrna Beach. And I believe that God's going to open up doors and God's going to grant you favor for you to bring in the younger generation to our church. There are teenagers, there's young adults, and there's married couples represented just in this group right here. And there are thousands of them in this area that are dying right now and going to hell. And we are called to be light and salt. And I believe that the Lord is going to use you this fall to bring in youth, young adults, and married couples. Pastor James, would you pray right now over this? Jesus, Jesus, we thank you for the promise of who you are, God. We thank you for the promise of your love and the grace that you give to your children, God. And I pray right now a seal over the young adults and the youth of this church. God, that as they go into the workplace, God, as they go into their schools, God, as they go to hang out with their friends, Jesus, let there be a light over their sin. Let there be a light over them, God, that as they go out and they show the world who they are, God, the identity that they have in Jesus, God, as they go out and people see them and they say, there's something different about you. What's going on with you? God, give them the boldness and the courage to say, I'm a son and I'm a daughter of God. Give them the words to say, Holy Spirit, remove fear from their mind, God. Let them know they are capable, they are empowered, and they have truth inside of them. And that, God, you will give them the words to say to their friends, to bring them here, to bring them into the fold, to bring them into the family of God. Jesus, I pray a blessing and covering over these students, over these young adults, God. Whatever need must be met, Jesus, you know their heart. You know the secret place, God, the things that they yearn for, God. When they feel there's no ear they can turn to, no one that they can go to, God, I pray that as we start a revival in this place, God, that they would know they can go to you and that you will bring them 
into the glory you have planned. Somebody give Jesus some praise in this house. We're going to couple single moms in that for what we just prayed too. I want you to go be seated. I'm not going to call down anybody that are 40 and above, but I'm going to ask you to stand right now all over this sanctuary. Anybody that's over the age of 30, there you go. You can stand too, baby. You look so pretty. The prettiest pregnant woman I've ever seen. Like I said just a moment ago before we leave, I believe that God is preparing this house to be a multi-generational, a multicultural church. We're going to be a, ch a church of every race. Hey, yellow, red, black, and white. They're precious in His sight. If you want a church of all white people, you need to get up and go. This ain't for you. Come on, somebody. I'm white chocolate. I'm more black than I am white. It's going to be a church for every age group. Like I just said, we want the young, and I'm not going to say old. We want the older. Hey. And we prayed a few weeks ago over our mature saints. And I honor you. But again, I feel a pause in my spirit right now to not just pray for you, to pray, and you're going to stand in right now for those who have yet to come. I know that the older you get, the Bible even says this, the harder that your heart becomes. But I believe that there's a spirit from Most High God that is going to permeate and penetrate the hearts of 70-year-old, 80-year-old people all over this area. I may be a young pastor, but I still want the older generation in this house. There's still a place for you to be loved and to serve here at Calvary, New Smyrna Beach. I believe that. And so I called James just a moment ago to pray over our young people. But if you would give me the honor right now, and I know 30, come on, give me a break, but I'm going to pray for anybody that's 30 and above right now in this sanctuary. So if that's you, I want you to raise your hands all over this sanctuary and give me the honor right now to pray for you as you stand in the gap for those who have yet to come. Father, we thank you. Because over the past year and a half, you have ushered in the harvest. This church, numerically, has more than doubled. We have almost tripled in the past year and a half. And God, in that growth, we have seen people of all ages and race come to know you, Jesus, under the banner of Calvary and SB. And Father, I believe that that is just the beginning, and I believe that that is a taste of what is to come in the months and in the years to come in this house and for this city. Now, Father, I pray first off for everybody that's over the age of 30. I pray for the young mom, married couples. I pray for the single moms and single dads. God, I pray that, Lord, you would be the glue that bonds them together. Hey, God, I pray, give us godly parents, parents that want to raise their children, the fear and the admonition of the Lord that will bring the presence that we feel in this sanctuary to their house, God. Let them bring their presence, oh Lord, to their workplace. Let the kids bring the presence to their schools. Come on, somebody. Father, we pray for our 40s, our 50s, our older parents, some of them grandparents, Lord. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would touch 
this age group. God, I pray right now for the 40s and the 50s all over this area, from Port Orange to Oak Hill, Lord, that are not living for you. We stand in the gap and we declare that there's a lighthouse in New Smyrna Beach. Come on, somebody. There is a church that is going to welcome them in. And Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would raise up laborers and workers, workers in your vineyard and laborers to get the harvest in, God. Lord, we declare that 40s and 50s in the next few years are going to come to know you, Jesus, in this house. God, we pray for the 60 and the above. Lord, we pray for the grandparents. God, we pray for the seasoned saints right now. Let them know, first off, that, God, there's still work to do. Come on, somebody. That as long as there's breath in my body, there's work to be done for the kingdom. And, Lord, we declare right now that there are some seasoned people all over this area that need to know you, Lord. So, Father, I pray that you would bring in the great-grandparents. Father, I pray that you would bring them into this house. That, Lord, even though there's a young pastor and there is a young leadership team leading this church, we honor, we honor them, God. Come on, somebody. We honor them. There's a place for them here in this house. So, Lord, bring them in. In the name of Jesus, let us be a multicultural and a multi-generational church for the living Lord. Do it, God. We declare it in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, if you believe that, that's going to happen. Put your hands together. Church, next week, I don't want you to miss next week. I'm going to be preaching another message on healing. How many would know, how many would say, Pastor, I know of somebody in this community, in my schools, hey, my college, my workplace, it's a family member that needs a touch of God. The Lord has told me to tell this church that this is going to be a house in this community where the river of life flows. And whoever jumps into that river will be made whole again. Huh. So get ready, because next week I preached... A two-part end-time series. How many enjoyed that this past couple of weeks? But the Lord wants to remind His church that He is the God who healeth thee. Come on. And I believe next week, miracles, signs, and wonders, it's going to be a revival service. We're going to pray for people. Hallelujah. There's power in prayer and there's power in touch. We're going to be swinging from the chandelier. Hey. Or the fan. <laughs> One or the other. So get ready. Come in for revival next week. How many are going to be praying for a revival to take place in your homes this week? Don't come in expecting revival in our services if you're not going to be a carrier of the presence this week. Take the glory with you wherever you go. I pray that the Lord would find you this week, and I speak blessings over your life this week. I speak well over you and your children this week. Whatever you do, may you find yourself smack dab in the will of God. In the name of Jesus. And Lord, continue what you're doing in this great church. Bring the fire next week, God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hug a few people before you leave. Say, get ready for next week. It's going to be awesome. I love you.